So I, I, on uh, next week, I will be starting our Tough Topics series. How many are looking forward to that? Yeah, and uh, so um, I wanted to kind of give you a heads up and where it was going, so uh, you sort of knew. Um, I, I'm, I, I told you last week, I'm kind of building it up indu- inductively. It's really hard to take tough topics, and when I say tough topics, I'm not talking about like the culture and what it's dealing with. How many know that we're a part of the culture? We're, we're a part of the society. We're affected by it too. We're affected by the culture. What, what, what God does is he gives us something that uh, gives us a, a balanced view from his perspective. So we always know what he's thinking. Uh, he reveals it in scriptures. And sometimes there's a lot of things said about a topic. So it, it takes a little bit of what the uh, theologians call systematic theology. So in other words, it takes sort of a, a gathering together of different scriptures and uh, without sounding technical, you have to sort of discern whether the scriptures are didactic, are they trying to explain something, or are they just storial or inference, inferring things. And it's important that you put those things in order, and when you study theology, you get to learn that. And uh, people take different approaches to it. Um, that's why you have different denominations and creeds, and you know, but for, for the most part... Um, People are, and especially in the Christian circles, they're in agreement. Um, usually there's some small things that people are in disagreement. They you know, disagree with how the expression of the Holy Spirit might express himself. But most of these tough topics are pretty universal. And um, there's a few that are debatable within the Christian body. So I'd, I'd like to tackle them. And then you could uh, tell me if the biblical reasoning is good, if, uh, if it's inspired by the Lord or not. But it's important if we're going to take these tough topics that we sort of um, prepare them by establishing who God is. If you know who God is, then the things that fall short fall short of who God is. Amen? How many know that we fall short of God? Right? So if you just say something like, God is pure. And you look at yourself and you go, huh, eh, not as pure as God, right? How many would agree you're not as pure? How many think you're pretty close? Okay, there's one person in the back. No, I'm kidding. Pro- probably not, but that's not an excuse. We, we sometimes can have an excuse and I go, well, I'm pure, impure because I'm just human, so I'm impure. You know, you get it. So I just, you know, I kill people, so I'm sorry. You, you know, people sort of settle for things like that. And while we accept the forgiveness of God for what we need and who we are, we also have to come to understand what he thinks truth is, what he thinks righteousness is. And when we fall short, we don't define who we are and what we're about and what our identity is based on what we feel like we like or what we feel like we want. The Bible says we look at the character of God And we trust him to say that being like him is kind of what we're aimed after as well. He's conforming us to the image of Christ. Do you you say amen? Amen. So uh, I'm not saying that I'm the perfect picture of what Christ is like because I'm being shaped too. There's things of just Eric that you see up here. Plus there's my personality. I'm not just being formed to, uh, to Christ like we're all a bunch of religious clones. I'm being formed to the image of Christ in the identity of Eric Van Rie, who God created me to be. Oh, thank God. Some people are going, thank God I'm not Eric Van Rie. Praise God. And I'm going to start this series next week. Tonight, I'm going to, today I'm going to be talking about divine moments and build on prayer. But I'm going to start with who God is. And from a Christian perspective, I want you to understand that when I say who God is, and I'm getting that from the Bible, if I was a 
atheist or if I was someone who didn't believe in God, I'd ask myself to say, well, why do you define God by the Bible? Why is the Bible reliable? Right? Why take its advice? And so I want to tackle where the Bible comes from and I want to look at its uniqueness in its survivability, in its, um, its longevity, in its agreement of message, in its existential truth. Does it live out in reality the way that it, it says it does? And there's all kinds of historical sciences and archaeological evidences that we can look at to correspond whether the Bible in its revelation has truth and validity to it. Because if it doesn't, then what it says doesn't really matter. I could come up here and tackle tough topics and tell you what God says, and you'll go, I don't care. I don't believe the Bible. So I want to tell you who God is. I want to tell you that there's such a thing as right and wrong, and thank God Jesus paid for it. Amen? Amen. He paid, how many need some wrong that you need paid for? Come on. And Jesus paid for it. So I'm not here to try to show you how great God is and show you how you fall short because well, I could do that in three minutes and point to myself, right? Nothing. The easiest thing a preacher could ever do is show you you're wrong in something. I could tell you about prayer and I go, how many of you don't pray enough? And you go, no, I don't know if I do. And I go, ha, see? You need to start praying. So I put out a bunch of flyers that say, here are the three steps to prayer and you better pray four hours, three hours, 10 hours. And you'll all go home crushed and demoralized. Because it's not about that, is it? It's about God meeting us where we are and God growing us because of his mercy and his power. And so God is working us. And then the third one is evolution. Evolution is such a largely used term. There's stellar evolution, chemical evolution, you know, abios, genesis, life from no life, evolution. There's big bang cosmology where there supposedly is nothing, and now there is something, uh, theology um, within um, uh, Big Bang cosmology with, within evolution. And then there's uh, life from no life, uh, organic chemistry. Uh, does it really produce? And especially in our modern age of knowing uh, the genetic material and looking at the proteins that uh, form um, amino acids that form proteins, which pro- form um, cells, which make up our body. Does it really point to a building block of no intervention, all on its own mechanism that really can produce life? In other words, if we have no life, can life come from that? Of course, if you have any examples, go ahead and bring them with you. I like to see them. And um, then I want to talk about, if you understand that evolution in its macro form is not true and it cannot be true, and I believe that I will prove that, then the second thing, uh, we will talk about what God says about sexuality. What does he say about sex? And that's why I put PG-13, is that I, I want to have an adult conversation, and I don't want to adulterify someone younger. You know the own age. I'm not going to swear or say anything like that, but I, I don't want to adulterify to get somebody thinking about stuff before they need to be thinking about it, okay? But I feel like I need to be graphic enough, as the Bible is graphic enough, to describe what the Bible describes about sexuality, fruitfulness, and why God describes it. And we all live, you know, I grew up in Los Angeles, so I've had friends from all uh, sexual influences, so I don't have a big fear or anything like that, or a phobia. Uh, I just want to talk practically about what God says and why it's important to him. And so if you come and you can bring your friends, um, you're welcome to. And then November 9th, I'll be talking about women in ministry. Uh, there are some churches that believe that women should not be in ministry or they should not be leaders or they can't be speakers or communicators. And they base it on a few Greek words 
um, in 1 Corinthians and one in 1 Timothy. And um, I want to tackle those scriptures and tell you why our mission movement does not believe that to be the case and why I believe that God wants women in ministry. And God wants them to be powerful. And I will, and how many women say amen to that? Listen, and this is not a cultural driven sermon. Well, the culture, we kind of see women rising up and their executives and all that stuff. So now the Bible says it. No, we need to go with what the Bible says. If the Bible said that they wouldn't and they shouldn't, then that's what I would preach. But I'm telling you that I don't believe that. I believe that the Bible is the opposite of that. I believe that God wants a release of his power and his spirit and women, and they need to become everything that they can be in, in the Lord. Amen? Amen. And I, it doesn't mean that submission isn't a good thing. We ought to submit one to another. And God gives us all kinds of ways that we can submit. You, you know what I mean? When the worship team's up here and they're leading worship, I don't just come barging in and go, you know what, I'm the pastor. Or I could do what I want. I come, if I need to say something, I go to them and I go, hey, is it okay if I come up here and get their permission? Because it's called submission, right? I don't go to my wife and I go, you need to submit to me. Look what the Bible says. No, the Bible says to everyone, submit one to another in humility. Amen. So I always go, you know, hey, babe, can I say this? But, but there are certain times when God will give a leadership responsibility where we'll synergize and he'll just give me the lead. And sometimes he'll give her the lead in wisdom or direction. And we start to work as a team and submission works great. Amen? Amen. And if some of you have taken the love and respect classes for marriage, you know that God is, he's excited about relationship. He wants your relationship actually to be good. You can't preach your prosperity gospel, Eric. Yes, I can. God wants you to be fruitful and multiply. Come on, every married couple, smile and say, multiply. Come on, just say it, say multiply, 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 right? Woo! God is good. Amen? Amen. Or do you want us to act really religious? God doesn't want, he wants to multiply, but it's a very factual thing that he wants us to multiply. Come on, haven't you read Song of Solomon? Okay, come on. I'll have some great quotes, but I won't give them to you. But I will when I do PG-13. Okay. Um, and then November 16th, random talk, topics. I'm going to talk about addiction and um, a little bit of politics, but I won't take a political stance. Um, my job and my role, my calling, is not Republican or Democrat. Uh, so no, no offense. Uh, you don't, we don't hand out flyers and any of that stuff. My promotion is of Jesus Christ and God, the King of all kings, to all people. Amen. And from all persuasions and all backgrounds and all brokenness, there's no specific brokenness that God likes a little bit more. He doesn't like one political party a little bit more than the other political party. God sees his son as the standard of righteousness and all fall short of the glory of God. Okay? All fall short. Can everyone say all? All. Fall Fall. short. Short. Turn to someone and say, especially you. Oh, man, you picked the right church, didn't you, this morning? Yeah. <laughs> How was church? Man, I got totally insulted. It was great. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's, I'm going to talk about divine moments. And, you know, these are, these are critical. It's right along with our prayer. I'm going to ask the Lord to open our hearts and, um, and then get right to the message. Father, I thank you for your power and your mercy. Lord, that you love us. Lord, you want us to be engaged with you. Lord, engaged in a sense of 
interacting and engaged in a sense of betrothed to you. Lord, that we're heading to a, a wedding supper of the Lamb. Lord, that there's a unity, a consummation, Lord, of our relationship with you, of fruitfulness come to its conclusion, Lord, in the Scripture. And Father, I pray that you'd open our hearts. Lord, we often don't know what we need. That's true. I, I know that about myself. And then you surprise me with your faithfulness. And I know that's true for me. It's true about others too. Lord, would you meet our needs of what we need from your word, from your spirit, from your power? Lord, whether it's the words I say or just the communication that you can make to the heart, I pray that you do it, Lord. Lord, I want to give you praise. Lord, I love you. I bless you. Honor and glory to your name. Thank you for your incredible love and power. Lord, you are faithful more than people can see. I know that. I pray that your grace will be poured out in this place. Let people know that you love them deeply. Lord, with an everlasting love. A rich, deep love that cannot be wavered. Lord, that does not waver, that does not, Lord, fade in or fade out. Open your scriptures, make them have life today. Let your spirit be here, present in power. In Jesus' name. If you agree, can you say amen? Amen. Uh, you guys, divine moments. There are certain times when God does something super amazing in your life. I talked about prayer, and hopefully you got out of the prayer the fact that prayer is in the New Testament is no longer like Adam, where he was just kind of talking to God in the garden. And it's no longer after the fall where men and women would have an arrow prayer life where they go, hey God, let me talk to you. And God goes, I'm talking to you back. Now Christ dwells in us through the Spirit. Do you understand that? Because, and why does he dwell in you? Can everyone point to the cross and say, because of what Jesus did. A little bit louder. Because of what Jesus did, he's in you. My prayer life now is always ongoing. That's why the prayer of unceasingly, pray unceasingly, isn't just a get alone with God and you're talking to him the whole day like this. It's I get to talk to God while I go about my life. I get to talk to him all the time. I, I, I don't have to be my eyes closed, but there are times when God wants intimate prayer. He's saying, still your soul right now. I want you to listen. I want you to settle down. Let the earthquake zone around you. Let it, it's rumbling and the thunder is rumbling, but there's a peace inside the storm that I have for you. Calm down. Trust me. And, you know, I, I mentioned this morning, you know, Jody and I in, in our relationship have come to crossroads where we didn't know what to do next. And, and you've probably experienced that throughout your relationship. And I thank God for those moments. You know, we were both messed up. You know, we had uh, difficult backgrounds, whether it was physical or emotional or spiritual. We had a lot of uh, problems. And when we would, I, I can't tell you how many times we'd sit on the end of the bed and look at each other. And I'd be trying to talk to her and she'd be trying to talk to me. And we just couldn't connect. Have you ever been there? And, and you're, trying, you're trying to make a break and you're going, man, I, just, I, I know what you're saying, but, but, but you got to hear me. And then she's... 
she wants me to hear her. And then we even take turns listening and you do all the communication things right. And, and you just, you, you know that something's missing. You don't know what it is. And I'm telling you, it's a divine moment. But, but what happens is instead of waiting for it and turning to God, you keep talking and you keep trying to work it out. It, you know, for those of you who are trying to get a job and it's just not working quite right, you just don't have that career breakthrough. You don't, you're waiting for that breakthrough. And, and God does it in me too, or I'm struggling. I've got a particular thing that I'm working on, a project I'm working on now. And God brings me right to the place where I'm not trusting him. Right? And it's like, I'm, I'm not trusting him. And I can tell. And God's going, be quiet. Just trust me. Lean on me. And I'm going, yeah, but God, if I just talk a little bit more, and if I just do a little bit more, then I'm going to get there. Have you been stupid like me? Anyone else? Am I the only stupid one? I see a few stupid faces. Thank you. You know? And what happens is, is that you, this happens to you. And, and, and Jody, back to Jody and I in the bed, talking to each other, trying to get a breakthrough. We can't quite get the breakthrough. Then all of a sudden, it just dawns on me. Man, I should turn to the Lord. Lord, we need you. Have you ever that ever dawned on you? Oh my gosh. I need God. I need God. That's right. He's saving me. He is rescuing me. This is part of the rescue. Amen. We will never have a killer relationship until God breaks through. And I keep going, well, if we just talk it out, and she's, if we talk it out, if we just understand each other, we go all through. And then finally, when you can't break it through, and some of you, you've gone through grief like this, where grief is so overwhelming, and it's consumed you, and it's burying you, and you're in despair, and you're going, oh, I'm just going to think positive. There's some times where you just need to turn to God, and God's going, I have a divine moment for you. And then all of a sudden, kaboom, we turn to prayer. And and it's like, it's not even necessarily like, oh Lord, give us a breakthrough. It's just stopping for a minute. And the Lord says, this is me now. Watch this. And then God makes some change. It's supernatural. And all of a sudden we look up and we're getting along. We can't explain it. You're in despair and all of a sudden you, you sense a relief. It's the move of God. How many say amen? amen. Right? In this, this divine moment, God has these things orchestrated in your life. When you're in sometimes the most darkest of despair, it seems like he's not there. It seems like at the moment, like you don't feel like God's going to come through. But he's going to come through. Because God is faithful, even in the darkest time, even when it seems like it's the 11th hour and the 12th hour, even when it's past that time, and you've already seen the heartache and you've already gone past that, even God's restoration, even his heavenly promises are overshadowing your temporary and momentary light trouble in comparison. All right. How many, want to, how many think you want to get something out of today? Divine moments. Listen, I'm going to talk about four divine, divine moments that are typified in what you can experience as a believer. Divine moments. And at the end, I'm going to ask you to come forward. If you need a divine moment, can I just beg you? Don't let your pride stop you from coming in front of everybody. Like, I'm not going to go there. What are people going to think? Just Can you just for a minute just say, who cares? Just say it. Say, who cares? Listen. We're, don't do this for me. We don't go, oh, look how many people came forward. I don't care. If you don't need a divine moment, then just stay seated. But if the Lord is really speaking to you, and I'm talking about divine moment, and you're thinking, oh, Lord, that's exactly what I need. 
I'm encouraging you without me trying to coax you. We get to the end, just walk forward. I'm going to say, anyone who needs a divine moment, come forward. We want to pray and we want to have opportunity for the Spirit of God to do what He wants to do. Amen? All right. First divine moment. It always starts with this one. It's my experience of new birth. (sighs) Jesus says you must be born again. We understand this when we look at the butterfly and we see it become, you know, the the little larva becomes, you know, from a caterpillar, it becomes liquid, you know, and it it, it weaves a cocoon. And then within that, it reconstitutes, constitutes its genetic material. And it actually becomes something of a different type. Uh, scientists have a hard time because there's no evolutionary process of liquid being affected by evolution where liquid becomes stronger. <laughs> right? Shake the cocoon and which, which cocoon was the strongest one? That it started becoming a butterfly. <laughs> it's really hard to explain. Because it's making actually a genetic new type of body plan genetically as well. It's not just different kinds of cells that have mutated, but the actual body plan genetic makeup is changing. Well, the Bible says that we are born once of water, you know, that that we get birthed by the Lord. The water breaks, the the kid is born, and we're born into this world. And the Bible says that the spirit births the new birth into a new kingdom called the kingdom of God. It's called a new birth. Can everyone say born again? This is where the term is. Now, this term is one of those overused terms because people say all the time, they go, yeah, our business plan, we kind of, it's kind of rebirthed. We have a sort of a new plan. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about somebody who walks into our church and says, um, hey man, you know, I really like, you got some new chairs. We didn't get new chairs, but let's say we did. Hey, you know, some new chairs, it's new people in the band, man. It's kind of like the whole church has been rebirthed. No, that's not what we mean. And I'm not talking about someone waking up and going, you know what? I'm going to start going to church now. You know, I'm going to go to church and I'm going to start praying more. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about a human being determining they're going to be more religious. I'm talking about a rebirth that happened internally by the Spirit of God through the cross of Christ. Do I hear amen? Amen. Okay, listen. He saved us, it says here in Titus. Not because of the righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. He washed away, what? Our sins. Giving us a, say it with me, new birth. Can you say new life? Through what? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. There's a new birthing. There's something that happens internally. It's not just your human will rising up and conforming to a religious pattern. That's what the world sees. When the world sees Christianity, they go, so what are the rules Christians follow? Well, we follow the Bible's rules. So these are the things that we do. And you're Muslim? Oh yeah, we follow these rules. Now that actually is true. They do follow a set of rules. But in Christianity, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the Bible points to Christ and Christ dies on the cross so that we can have new birth or new life, Bible or no. If the Bible's there or not, we are rebirthed inside and you know when that happens because it, ha- it happens with you. Now, it happens in your heart. When, when I, I was sharing this morning with um, my story with Pete, Pete who plays guitar here, him and I came to Christ pretty close to each other. And after I came to Christ, I had this encounter with God. Those even the pastors dessert, I share my story. 
and, and God rebirthed me, and I was a new person. And Pete saw it in my face, like, what's wrong? with You're different. Something's different about you. You're to- you're, your face is different. Everybody around me goes, Eric, what's, what, you're not the same person. What's with you? Your face is it's glowing. And, and it's just like I go, yeah, it's the makeup, you know. <laughs> no, God did something in my demeanor. He did something in my heart. He did something in my spirit. He rebirthed me. And so I, I remember telling Pete we'd be in the hallway at our apartment because him and our roommates. And, and I'd go, okay, dude, are you ready? And he goes, because he, he knew I wasn't lying to him. I, I told him the whole story of what happened with, and he goes, oh, man. He goes, oh, my gosh. And, and, and I said, I go, so I go, do you want to be born again? And he goes, yeah. He goes, so I go, okay, now you stand here and I'll stand here. And I go, wait, wait, we've got to switch places. Okay, you go over there. I would think I was over here. You were over there. Yeah, you stand over there. Okay, this is what I prayed. Now you pray. You ready? And so we bent over there. He prayed what I prayed. Nothing happened. And I go, did something happen? Let's try it again. I think maybe you moved over a little bit more. You just go over here. I was in the car. Maybe we should be sitting down. And I was trying to recreate. It's like the guy who gets healed with the mud in his eyes, Right? And he's probably walking through the town going, hey, you know, that's, that's where they have the first denominations, the Mudites and the non-Mudites, right? Right? And I'm part of the Mudite faction. I'm the non-Mudite. You know, God, Jesus always heals with mud. He puts mud on you. How many know that God can work uniquely in every person? You don't have to have the same experience that I have. But having said that, you must be born again in order to see the kingdom of God. If you are, when you walk in here, you see something different. It's not just the church. It's not just the building. It's you. You're different. You take it with you because it's him in you. You've been birthed by the spirit. You're no longer just soul. Soul trying to survive itself and body. That's what the world does. The world is striving to satisfy its soul. And it's striving to satisfy it through the body. Satisfy my flesh this way. Satisfy it this way. But when the spirit of God comes in you and you become truly spirit, body, soul, there's a life now connected to God. And you're all of a sudden you're animated. You must be born again. We have been born again. Do I hear amen? amen. You know, I had this guy at our, at our house, probably our second year. He was, someone had told me, he goes, hey, this guy's he's a meth dealer. And I go, I go, so I brought him to church. I thought you could relate to him. And it turns out he was one of the, the larger meth dealers out here in Salt Lake. And he'd, he'd done, he'd been, did a couple prison sentences. And he did a, uh, he was in jail at, in, um, out there at uh, uh, 3300. And uh, I, was ta- I was, before I was talking to him, um, oh no, when I was talking to him, he said to me, he said, uh, he said, yeah, I go, what did you learn in jail? And he said, I got all these new recipes for, for meth. He goes, he goes, I always got some new recipes when I was in there. And I go, oh. And I go, well, it's pretty constructive there. You know, you learn something. Education is the key to everything, right? That was a joke. And he, he came to our house. He came to our, our, right before our pastor's dessert when we had it years ago. And he was sitting there and he's, you know, he, he was bald, and he had probably, I don't know, 500 tattoos. And, and uh, uh, rings all through his nose, his ears, every part you could name it. And so much so that our religious neighbors, when he came over, called the police. Okay? Literally called the police on us. 
Well, he came into our, he was, we were talking to him, and finally he was telling me what was going on and how he's, he's on the run. He's got these search, these warrants on him, and he was telling me the whole story. And I finally looked at him, and I said, you know what? And he said, what? And I go, you need to be born again. And I said, you don't have God. And he goes, well, I just like religion. He started telling me his religious story. Listen, everyone, how many have a religious story? Can everyone say, who cares? Who cares, who cares about religion? We care about the Lord. Amen. It's not about the religion. It's about the Lord. And, and we, we let my wife and I, we just had, I go, man, we're praying for you. And as we were praying for him, I'm telling you, the Lord went kaboom and knocked into him. And he just went, whoa. And he looked at me and he goes, oh, like that. And Jody laid hands on his head and boom. He went like, I mean, he literally was on our breakfast bar and he was like overwhelmed with the spirit of God. He, this guy was like this and dark and stuff. And he was praising God in, in, at our breakfast bar. And he goes, now what do I do? Hallelujah. And I go, now you turn yourself in. He went from hallelujah to womp, womp. And I said, man, I go, God will take care of you. Well, you know, I got that first, you know, probably after his first month, he ended up having to serve in Louisiana. And um, he went to prison. He went for three years. It was tough. But, you know, he, by the third year, he was running the Bible study in the prison. Hey, praise God. Amen. God can transform hearts and lives. God is in the changing business. You know, Peter says it this way. In his great mercy, he repeats it. He has given us new birth into a living hope. It's a divine moment. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance. You go from being on your own and maybe your parents have some cash or a house that you might get a little bit of an inheritance. But I'm talking about an internal inheritance. An inheritance from God. What Jesus has earned has been given to you. Is that awesome? And look what he says. It can never perish. Right? It can never spoil. It's not going to go rotten like fruit. It's not seasonal. It's not perennial. It's, it's, it's not going to fade. It's going to, in fact, it's going to increase. It's going to go from glory. And you'll experience a divine moment glory, and then it'll go up glory. And I love talking to people who've had a divine moment. They go, man, God did this. And I listen to them, and I go, it's exciting. And then when they're all done, I go, and it's going to get better. It's going to get better. Walking with God gets better, and then it gets better, and then it gets better. Because God is faithful, and God is good. Amen. It's kept in heaven for you. He says later on in that same paragraph, he says, you have been born again, not of perishable seed. It's not the seed that you put in and then you cover it with dirt and put some water and, and then eventually it's going to perish. Eventually it's, the, the plant's going to grow. It's not going to become anything. This is an, an imperishable seed. It's a seed that, that God puts in you. He bursts it in you and you may mess up. And how many have experienced messing up? And how many have experienced the power of God correcting the course? It's like a GPS. You know, you, you put in the coordinates and then you take the wrong turn and it readjusts itself to the same course. Right? Yep. 
And, you, and you're, you're going, and it, you know, some of these Google ones, they mess up and they take you into the wrong place. They take you into a lake if you watch The Office. <laughs> Through the living and enduring word of God. That's enduring. It's, it's, the, it's not the word of God. He's not talking about the Bible. He's talking about the Logos. He's talking about Christ, the Christ of God, the word of God. He's imperishable, enduring. It, it's, it, it's not, it's deathless. It's immortal. It's indestructible. Okay. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. You know, I'm not the greatest singer in the world. Um, I'll just say that right off the top. Um, but, I, but I will say this. Um, I had a, a, a guy who was a heroin addict. He's one of the guys that was leading me to the Lord when Jody led me to the Lord. He's one of the guys witnessing to me. And one of the first songs he ever sang to me, he goes, Eric, I want to encourage you. And he sang this song, and it just stuck with me ever since I became a Christian. And whenever I get in times, I, this song always comes to my mind. It's just, um, it's real simple. Forget, forget my voice, but just think of the words. And hallelujah, he's alive. And by his spirit, I've been made alive too. And by his grace I've been forgiven. And by his blood I've been washed clean. Out with the old and in with the new. And hallelujah. And it just repeats like that. Out with the old, in with the new. It's a divine moment. It's a rebirth of the soul. It's something that God does. It's not a personal commitment to Christ. It's not a religious effort. It's a rebirth of spiritual proportions. First, Second Corinthians says, he anointed us. It's like, you ever see like a, a king knighting, you know, a, a knight? So now you shall be called Sir, you know, Lancelot, whatever it is. And it's like, there's an anointing of God, but, but it comes with the power of God. And it rests on you, your rebirth. He anointed us and set upon us a seal. This seal is talked about in the book of Revelation. Those with the seal make it to the end. And this is what we talk about. He puts a seal of ownership. It's as if God is inscribing in your soul with this spirit, he or she is mine. And God puts that name. This person is yours. They are mine. They belong to me. I am his and he is mine. And he put his spirit into our hearts as a deposit. And if you want any more reassurance, guaranteeing what is to come. Guaranteeing. I always say amen. amen. Listen, and this is the, uh, I'm going to go on to the next one. I have one more after this. Then I'm going to go to the next divine moment. God's love, Romans 5, 1, it says has been poured out. Imagine the love of God, who he is. And it's personified in who he is. Jesus Christ is love. God describes him as love. His spirit is love. And he takes this love and he pours it out into our hearts. It's like he pours it out through the Holy Spirit. It's drenched in me and it's put in me. And the Bible said it's like a spring. It's a well of, of water that kind of wells itself up. And it's a storage place. It's like a deep well. The well that doesn't run out of water. You dig deeper and you've seen wells like this around the country where they, they dug it right and attached to a reservoir that's so deep of water that that person always has water. They're not paying, you know, water, Draper City water bills. 
because it's free. You know, the woman at the well, you know, if, if you'd have taken a drink of this water, you'd never thirst again because there's a thirst that's quenched. The love pours in and guess what? It pours in, but how many want to see that love also pour out? right? Because the water isn't made to get stale. It's not like a pond. It's not like a lake that the water just kind of sits there and pretty soon the algae starts to grow and you get stuff and finally, you know, there's no fish and there's nothing in there. God's saying this is the kind of water. His analogy is a river. It flows in and it's like a stream of water. It flows out. Do I hear amen? amen. Listen how Isaiah prophesied about this. A good seven, eight hundred years Before then, in about 2,800 years from from now, he says, I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. That's us. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring. That's us. He's talking about us. He says, and my blessing on your descendants. Those who believe are the descendants of Abraham. That's what it says in Galatians. All right. How many would like that first divine moment of rebirth? Come on. Come on. Amen. How many have experienced it already? Raise both hands if you testify to its power. Come on. Honestly, don't, not for me. You testify to the power of the rebirth experience. Amen. Okay, number two. My first experience of God's power flowing out of me. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart. So first he says, if you're thirsty and you're hungering, then for those people, I'll pour my water in. They won't thirst again. And he says, but to those who believe me already, the believe in me, out of their heart will flow water, rivers of living water. And he said this about the spirit, which he was later, you know, they were going to receive. Now love pours in and love pours out. One of the first times I ever experienced that was at a party. I've shared the story once before, but if you haven't heard it, I'll give it to you again, or I'll give it to you freshly. I had a, we had some people that we led to Christ, and they invited us to a, a party, one of his friends. And when I was at this party, it was a total, like 80 to 100 people rocking party, okay? Kegger in the center, and of course, I just migrated toward the keg, and was just kind of talking with, with one. And there was, there was a big guy there. And I was just praying. I said, Lord, if you want to use me, just use me here. And th- this big kid, this big, big guy, he, he, he looks over at me and he goes, hey, how's it going? He goes, yeah. And he goes, he goes, he started telling me his whole life story. You know why he started telling me his whole life story? Because I'm so friendly and approachable. No, it was the Lord. I would say amen. amen. It was the Lord. I was there on behalf of the Lord. And he started sharing me what was going on in his life. And he told, he told us, he started talking to me, and there was a real brokenness about him, and he was in greater despair than anyone there knew him. If you saw him interacting in the party, you'd think he was the cool guy at the party, the big guy everybody respected. He was the guy. But as I was talking to him, he was sharing brokenness. And then finally he just said it. He goes, you know what? I've been wanting to commit suicide. And here we were at the party, and I, and I looked at him, and I said, do you mind if I pray for you. And I just thought to myself, Lord, I don't know what to pray. I remember just thinking, I go, I'm at this huge party and I'm going to be praying. I'm going to be shouting this prayer just so he can hear me. 
And the, the minute I, I laid hands on him and just started to pray, some guy just shouts out. He goes, turn the music down. He's praying for him. And, and I just, I looked over there and, and all of a sudden the music was quiet. And the next thing you know, the whole place was quiet, like dead silence. And they were all looking at him. And he just started breaking down right there. And as I prayed for him, God just started giving me words of knowledge. He started giving me things and insight into his life. My prayers were not of Eric's wisdom and Eric's origin and what a clever little prayer. And boy, I hadn't been a Christian that long. I put my hands on him and God just gave me faith for the moment. And I literally laid hands on and I experienced a divine moment. And so did he. So did he. And it's like, as I was praying for him, it's like all of a sudden he just wept and wept and wept. And you know what was so awesome? One of his, he came to Christ and one of his friends came to Christ. And about two years later, his friend was totally growing in such a way that he got, went into ministry. And I have seen this happen over and over again where people's lives have changed. Ira could sit here and tell you story after story. Of the power of God. It's a divine moment. There are some times when God brings you in your life. Where you need a touch from him. You don't know what it is. Like I was describing Jody and I at the edge of the bed. We don't know what we need. But our relationship can't go any further. Until God does something. Amen. That's exactly what I was saying. (laughs) Out of the mouth of babes. Joel 2.28. Look what, this is one of those scriptures that had no landing place in the Old Testament. Like the, the, the Israelites never had a season where they looked at this Joel, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. They never had a place where they go, oh, this is what this means. They, they were always searching for its landing spot. You never see any of the judges or the kings or the chronicles going, oh, that's right, Joel, it fits here. It, it's because it was one of those ones that was waiting to be fulfilled at the time Christ came. And so, so much so, so exacting was its fulfillment that when the time of Pentecost came and Jesus says, wait in Jerusalem for my power to come. Can everyone say power? power. That they're waiting for this power to come that when Peter starts preaching, he's telling the Israelites, he's going, guess what? This is Joel. This is that one. Because when were we going to have the spirit poured out on everybody? What, the Philistines are going to get the spirit of God? He's going to be with them? What do you mean on all people? What do you mean the slaves and the servants are going to get them? What do you mean the women are going to come? What? But all of a sudden, if you look at that book of Acts, the men and the women were there together. And the power fell on them. Amen? Amen. Listen. It's a divine moment. I'll pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. They'll be connected to the Lord in such a way. They won't go, where's the Lord? Or who knows the Lord? Who's got a word? There's not going to be one king who has the word of the Lord and the power of the Lord. And one cool prophet, Elijah, who runs around and he knows the God. God will be with the people now. Amen? 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 This is awesome. Woo. Yeah, this is why you don't need to line up and go, oh, man, Eric's got the spirit of God. You have the spirit of God. The anointing is upon you. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Can I talk to the old men for a moment? Well, I've been dreaming dreams. Dreaming dreams of golfing. 
in retirement, right? Amen. Amen. <laughs> Don't think that your time is past. I want to encourage the older men. I really felt like the Lord put this on my heart. When I got, when I got to the scripture in my study, the Lord's saying, I want you to encourage the older men. You need to dream in the Lord. I'm not talking about a supernatural, hey, I dreamed of sugar plum fairies. You know, guess what? You know, some kind of immature, you're, you're, they're past that. Older men, older women, they're past the waste my time period of life. Aren't you? There, there is a time of significance where your legacy matters. Not because it matters to your salvation, because we're saved by Jesus. It matters because of the impact that you want to make that's put in you. And there's a dreaming of dreams that the older person does that says, let me dream a dream that I solidify in prayer of what God wants to do. You look out for our generation. You dream it big. Young man, you see visions. Boy, you can waste your so much time. Young people can waste so much time. Uh, thinking about this, thinking about that. Why don't you have visions in the Lord and see what God will give you? If you will devote your heart to it, God will show you stuff that will blow your mind. Seriously, I've seen things. I've seen things. You people wouldn't believe. Blade Runner. I've seen sea beams near the Tenhauser gates. But truthfully, God can show you things that will blow your mind. I, I honestly, God has showed me things that I'm just watching come true. And it gives you a security because you understand what God's doing. Not in a presumptuous way, but just in a sense where the Lord's saying, I want to show you something. You don't think God's excited about what he's doing? You don't think God wants you to know about it? But if you start, if you give yourself over to everything but him, he'll let you. He'll let you. He'll discipline you and bring you back, but he'll let you waste your time so you know what a waste of time looks like. He'll teach you. Why not learn now? Amen? Amen? And then he says, in those days, I'll pour out my spirit, even on servants, men and women alike. Servants is like the servant class. You know how it is in the culture. You own the business. You're important. I own the business. It's my business. These are my workers. This is what they do. You know, God's going to come to us important people. You know, back in the early days, it was the landowners. They could vote on the land. If you were a peasant or a slave class, you had no influence I love what God says, even on the servants. And by the way, male and female, they're like, what? <laughs> That's right. I'm pouring out my spirit. And they're going to see power. Amen. That's crying out to the Lord. Lord, please answer that prayer. I can see it. It's obvious. Listen, divine moment. Okay. Power of God. This one will probably be the most profound. I, I shared with a friend. Him and I were hanging out um, last week at some point, And we were talking about trusting God. And I was remembering to myself, because this person was talking about how they were growing in their trust in the Lord. And one of the things that they asked, they said, is, is, you think the Lord's with me? I don't feel him with me right now. And I thought to myself, when is the last time I thought that? I was thinking, boy, it's been years. It's been probably 15, 
to 18 years. Of God's, I wondered if God was with me. And I remember why, because it was a divine moment that God gave me a trust in his word over a trust in my feelings. The trust in my feelings used to govern everything. I'd say, God, I'd tell Jody or one of my leaders and pastors, I'd go, does God love me or not? And then things would go well in my life and I'd go, God loves me. Yeah, he does. Look at it and things are going well. And then things were going bad and I'm going, God doesn't like me. I don't know what he's doing. He doesn't like me and now he's not with me and all that stuff. And then I'd fade down. And then I'd look at the future and I'd go, oh, God, I can trust him. He's going well because everything was lining up. I'm trusting God and look, it's working. And then things weren't working right. I go, oh, if I can trust God. And then one day the Lord told me, he goes, how long are you going to do this? I just remember it was clear in my mind. He just said, how long are you going to do this? And I was like, do what? And he says, live like this. How long are you going to do this? And he says, you know, you can trust me through the trial. can't you just do what I want? (laughs) God, if you'll just do what I want, we don't have to go through this. (laughs) I tell you what to do in prayer and then you do it. (laughs) You just make it all work together for good for the rest of them. (laughs) How many have prayed that prayer? (laughs) Lord, make it work out for me. And if you could get the others involved, that'd be good. I remember just walking away from there and it's like I knew a bad circumstance was going to come. And the minute it came, the Lord said, okay, are you ready? And I said, yeah. And he said, how you doing? I go, good. God's got this. And he did something to my work. And I asked this friend of mine, I said, and this is not indicative of just him. This is a common thing for us. I said, he said, I don't feel God. I don't know if he's with me. And I said, why is God with you in the first place? I mentioned it earlier. Why is God with you? And he said, because of Jesus Christ. That's right. So is God with you? Yes. And I go, but what if you don't feel like he's with you? Is he still with you? And it was kind of like a second, I need to think about this. Yes, he's with me. And it was like, I almost wanted to look at the person and say, And don't ever doubt that again. How dare you, how dare I, trust our feelings more than we trust God? Seriously. What what has your feelings ever accomplished for you in the sense of trust? Do you know how fast the earth is rotating right now? Do you know how many miles per hour? I think it's like 22-something thousand miles per hour. 27,000 miles per hour. That's how fast we're moving through space. Does it feel like that? Just, just watch me. Does it feel like that? Thank God for gravity. Right? The scientist goes, yeah, thank God for Einstein discovering how time and gravity... Einstein didn't, dis- didn't invent gravity. God did. He just discovered it. And if you think the equations that Einstein figured out Wait till you see all the equations that really exist. If we could see them like the matrix, they are everywhere. There are things that you have absolutely no clue that are operating at all times. And wait till you see how the Spirit of God works. And He does not like to be measured. And He cannot be found. 
like you think. But we need a divine moment. A divine moment where all of a sudden your absolute whole life will change. And you'll say, well, I wonder if I'll get my calling. I wonder if I'll ever know what I'm supposed to do. I wonder what I know my calling. Can you please stop it and just say, God will show me my calling when it's time. There are times when God withholds feeling on purpose. It's not because God is mean. <laughs> Here's my good presence. <laughs> Watch them suffer. God is good. How do I know that? Because he says it in his word. He's good. Everything he does is for our benefit. The scripture says that. And I know it to be true from experience. And I know it to be true existentially and theologically. God will sometimes withhold, sometimes to draw you near. Have you ever had a kid that you disciplined? And they needed to see the gravity of something. I'll use an extreme case and a human case that's far below how God works. And sometimes you withhold it. It's not because you don't want to hug them. It's just going, I, I'll hug you. I'll give you a kiss right now. But you, I want you to see something. You missed something important. You missed it. And you're gonna, your whole life is going to mess up. Now turn around and look to see what you did. Look at the death it caused. That's just like, yes, Lord. Can I get the good feelings back? Why don't you let the Lord be the Lord? Listen, it's a divine moment when you trust God. I promise you it will change your life. You won't worry. You'll just trust him. The man who trusts the Lord, his heart is steadfast because he's trusting. And he will have no fear of any bad news. Right? But the enemy who is away from the Lord, his heart will be vexed. Psalm 112. Don't you want to have a heart trusting in the Lord? Listen. In you, Lord my God, I put my trust. I trust in you. Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. That's the ending thing, isn't it? Lord, I trust you. Please don't let me look like an idiot. How many afraid that? Come on. Lord, have you ever done something so stupid and so shameful or humiliating that at the end of it you're going, if I get the real consequences, I'm in deep trouble. <laughs> Have you? There's four of you. The rest of you are liars. <laughs> you guys are liars. You just did something shameful. You didn't admit it. <laughs> uh. <laughs> okay. All right. That's okay. The Lord's watching you. Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love. I have put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go. We're going to wrap up here. For you, I entrust my life. The last one here is restoration. My first experience of restoration. This is the time when you know you're broken and it can't be fixed. You've tried it. And, you, and listen, I am very thankful for, for things like counseling because it gives you a chance to, to talk out what your situation is. And hopefully the counselor is wise that they turn you to God rather than to yourself. Although it's good to have understanding. Understanding is a good thing in the Proverbs. But God goes beyond just giving you a little comfort and some tools to navigate your emotional life. God brings restoration. 
He changes you from the inside. Isaiah says, you know, he says he comes to preach to the broken heart. It's that famous sermon that Jesus gives. And by the way, let me have the prayer team come forward at this point if they would. He says to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of spirit of despair. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. Look at some of these. And I'm going to share one from my own life. Ah, just because I felt like the Lord wanted me to, so I'm going to. If you've experienced loss in a number of ways, you know what it's like to mourn with great power. That you're overwhelmed by your mourning. It's just... It's killing you and your heart's devastated. God brings comfort even in those dark times. And you've experienced this. If you've grieved, you understand the provision of God. That it comes in strange ways, but it comes in powerful ways. Beauty instead of ashes. I shared a story this morning. Of, you know, I had a good friend who passed away because he was shot by another guy that I knew uh, back in my high school years. And he's a kid I grew up with, you know, the whole time. He was in my kindergarten class, and he was in my class all the way until he died. He was always in my, either my homeroom or in my class at all times. And I remember after he got shot, and I went back to high, my high school, and... Uh, all the people from that particular gang who shot him were there at school. And I, I was so angry. I can't tell you how angry I was. And how much revenge in my own mind I was plotting. And I could hear my whole neighborhood was risen up. And it was like, we're going to retaliate and, and all this. But what was more devastating is that following summer, after he was gone... You know, we'd sit on our bikes for hours and hours and just ride all the way through our neighborhood. And he was that kind of friend. That was the same year, you know, where somehow I I broke out in acne because I was under so much worry and stress. I, I just started breaking out like I'd never had acne before. And I remember going to school and just thinking to myself, I don't want to go to school. I don't want to go to school. It's like it's the last place I want to be. I'm I'm broken. I don't know. I didn't know the Lord at the time. And the one time, just probably the probably the most despaired place. But I remember looking in the mirror and just looking at my face full of acne, full of despair. And I just said, I looked as deep as I could in my eyes. And you know how convicting a person. I'm a convicted, I'm all or nothing. I remember just looking in my eyes with deep sincerity. And I just looked at myself. And I could see my own wickedness. My own evil. And I just looked as deep as I could into my own soul. And I said, I hate your guts. I hate you. love of God first came into my life and all of a sudden I felt a love I still had the same face with its scars and its life wounds but I was different 
God took, you know, the ashes are a burnt life and the remains of fire that has purified and taken all the crud and just brought destruction. The ashes are the leftover marks. And God says, I will take those ashes and bring beauty out of them. You got broken finances? God says, I'll take what the locusts have devoured and eaten from your crops and I'll restore it. You don't think that God has the power? He has. He says, I'll take your mourning. If you've been living in depression and discouragement, God says, I will give you joy. You do not need to live a life like this. God has joy for your life. Amen? If you doubt that, look at love, joy, peace, patience. God's going, this is what I'm like. This is what I have for you. That's why I took my very spirit, the soul of who I am, and I put it in you. And then God says, let there be a divine moment of recovery. Let there be a restoration. Let there be a crying out of my people that say, I need a divine moment. Why don't you close your eyes? Father God, I thank you, Lord, for your promise of rebuilding ancient ruins. Lord, restoring devastated places. And I want to give you a chance right now. Do you need a divine moment? As our prayer team is up forward, we have music playing in the back. I want you just to come forward. Please do not be afraid. In your own heart, ask yourself the question, do I need a divine moment for my marriage, for my life, for my calling, for my job, for my career, for my anything that God puts it on there says, I need a touch from God. Please come forward. One of the prayer team, we want to pray for you. We want to pray for you together. And then we want to ask the Lord that we would be given words of knowledge and words of wisdom, that there be an overflowing of power in your life. And let the Lord move powerfully. And Father, I thank you for these. Please don't hesitate. Don't, you know, the Bible says that the fear of man is a snare. It's a trap. It doesn't move you forward. Don't miss the moment. Sense the moment. This isn't a preacher getting you excited about a moment. This is a preacher who's discerning the divine moment times discerning that God's saying, I want to do something. And Father God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus Christ. And I pray, Lord, right now in the name of Jesus that you would fill right now this group right now. Would you just raise out your hands to the Lord right now and just call up. Tell him what you need. Speak it out. Just tell him. Give him the topic. Lord, I need a divine moment in this. Just be honest with God. Pour it out of your heart. Just say it. Just say, Lord, I need you to work in my heart. There's some of you, you're in despair in a relationship. that You desperately need God to bring wholeness to it. But God wants you to pray wholeness for yourself first. That you need wholeness in your own heart. You say, Lord, heal me. Restore me. There's some of you that, there's of so many circumstances that have overwhelmed you. You just need a divine moment for your whole life right now. You need God to work. And Lord, I ask, Lord, that you move right now in power. Lord, move by the Spirit of the Lord. Lord, move in your wholeness. Lord, in your deliverance, in your healing. Lord, we call out 
to the name of Jesus by the blood and by the cross of Christ. Wholeness and deliverance. Let the Lord deliver you from captivity. Be healed in the name of Jesus Christ. There's no religiosity here. These are prayers right from the scriptures. Lord, bring us wholeness. Some of you need a breakthrough in worship. There's always a ceiling over your head. You can't connect with God. You're, You're always feeling oppressed by the moment, by the situation. It's an oppression. It just leans on you. It's crushing. Even the thought of trying to get there is crushing. Let the Lord remove it now. Let the Lord remove the lid in the name of Jesus. Let me proclaim the gospel that God so loved the world, he sent his son to save you, to take away the ceiling, that there would be no limit. It's a love without limit. It has no measure. Now the Bible says, lift up holy hands. Lift up your hands to God. It's a freedom in worship. It's a surrender. It's a lifting up and say, I will praise my God. The channel is open, not through my works, but through the work of Christ. I want you to think of the blood that was shed for you. It was demonstrated clearly. Christ crucified for you, washing away your sins. You're clean. You're free. Accept the freedom. Thank you, Lord, for washing away my sins. In the name of Jesus Christ. How many say hallelujah? Hallelujah Hallelujah to the Lord. Hallelujah.